What are analog experiences? Why are they so different and special from digital ones? If you grew up with analog, do you remember it fondly? Do you crave a simpler, more visceral time? If you were born later, do you wonder why others remember these times with such nostalgia? Think about your own answers to these questions as we explore on Curiosity Continuum. Welcome back to Curiosity Continuum. My name is Brian. And I'm Josh. Today on the Curiosity Continuum, we decided to tackle a topic that we like to call uh, basically the importance of analog or the analog world. Uh, This is a conversation that's going to just touch on kind of how the world was and how the world is today from uh, the analog and digital perspective. So we grew up in the age when there wasn't a computer in every home. And there wasn't uh, a smartphone to just go look at whatever you want to go look at or explore things. You know, those kind of things were on Star Trek when uh, they had tricorders and it told you everything you wanted to know about the world you were on. Uh, that was that was about as geeky as that technology was at that time. It was like it existed in a science fiction show. Uh, that proved out to be something that came about in real life later. Uh, at the time of this recording, you know, the smartphone's been on the earth for about a decade so a long time before all that happened, uh, you know, those things weren't, and uh, PCs are very different. And Josh, I know, like, your dad, going over to your house often, your dad, because he was in tech, he had a lot of the new innovations and new things going on. So I was always curious to see what popped up at your house. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember, just kind of, like, reiterate a little bit, like, yeah, we grew up, we kind of grew up in that weird time where, there was computers, but they weren't in every home, like Brian had said. And so, like, my daddy was in tech. He did a lot of um, the beginnings of, like, when networking and network management started coming around. So we did have a lot of the, quote-unquote, the newest and greatest technologies that we've had. Um, he had – I remember our first computer was – this is kind of going to date us again, but, <laughs> you know, it was like – I think it was, like, a 1987 when he got his first computer, or 1988 – and it was that um, the IBM 8088, and it was oh yeah, yeah. It was about I don't know. I would say about two feet by two feet, and about uh, eight or nine inches high, and weighed about forty five pounds, <laughs> and it was solid steel. <laughs> and uh, but so he had that, and then you know we we had a just a monochrome monitor, and it went to then the next computer. It was only a few years, and it seemed like it was a long time, but. You know, he went to having a computer with a color monitor and we had good gra- or I would say better graphics where we could actually see. And we didn't even have sound cards yet. We just had the computer speaker and it would beep when you played video games or whatever. <laughs> so yes. that was that was kind of an interesting thing. I remember we would always hang out and play um, King's Quest for or oh, King's yes. Quest, any King's Quest that was out there. Yeah, we would play those. And we, I think we played them on the monochrome monitor first. At least I did. I don't know if you did or not. If you were, my so my family was. Uh, it's so funny now because uh, I thought my my. I think every child thinks their parents are backwards in some way. And my mom was still using like cast iron skillets and no microwave. And I'm like, you know, mom, get with the times. There's this thing. There's this called a Teflon pan now, and it doesn't stick. And you realize that that crap will kill you now when we're our age. It's like, well, where's my mom's cast iron skillet again? That was probably a better idea to stick with that. 
But um, we didn't have any computer. My dad's uh, job was a credit manager. So he worked on a computer at a certain point. Some of it was, I think, paper forms and other things like that. But he and my mom weren't ever, like, super up on tech. I mean, like, you know, we had a remote control for the television. So, I mean, that was probably good for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, we got a VCR. The, the first tape I ever watched was Old Yeller. And none of us realized how sad that movie was until the end. It's like, this is, you know, a heart-wrenching movie. Like, here's new technology. Isn't that wonderful? But we're crying at the end because Old Yeller's got to be put down. So if you haven't seen that movie, that's a spoiler. And I'm sorry that I spoiled It's that. like 50 years old. It's good enough. You know? I know. Well, you know. <laughs> but um, uh, I one of my Christmas gifts when I was a little boy was I, I got, a, like, the Ness, like the classic Ness. And I was super thrilled about that thing. And um, our first computer actually came when I was in middle school. And my parents said, okay, you have to get rid of, like, your console. At that time, I had upgraded to Super NES. And uh, they said, you know, in order for us to buy this computer, you have to get, sell all your Nintendo stuff and a few other things, and we'll get it. And that was the deal. And we got us a uh, Shining uh, 386SX, and it was like... I was so happy about that thing, you know, like it turns on. Right. I <laughs> remember. Pa- yeah. You, yeah, you were happy about that. <laughs> I, the, when it, it kept announcing to me, welcome to Packard Bell Navigator. <laughs> we ended up shutting that off because I got tired of hearing it all the time. But um, anyway, that was special. Like those kind of things were different for us. It was. Yeah. And you know, um, the, the age of Oregon trail was, you know, you went to a computer lab and say, Hey, we get some special time to play Oregon trail. And, you know, you always chose the doctor because they were always the richest because you needed to buy supplies, you know. And you had just that game was designed where you had equal chance of dying of dysentery if you were a doctor or a farmer. Like you weren't like smarter. No. Survival <laughs> just because you were a farmer in that game. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was, it was, I just need the money to go buy wagon wheels or something. Um, yeah, I always tried to get out to, to Oregon. Sometimes I died. But, but I, um, I do feel that that kind of gave us a good perspective on digital that for us, digital was something special. And it, it, was. it wasn't something we just always had. The thing that we brought into it were, were the, uh, like, just the traditional educational, like, approaches and, and thought processes that we taught in school, just because that was how you taught school. We didn't have any uh, basis for digital native thing. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, and then there's this stuff that you just learn to use. It's like, it was brand new to us. You know, right. here's a mouse. I remember the, um, every time when they said, save your work, I didn't actually believe the computer actually saved my work. And so I'd be like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, underneath my breath, hoping that it would save. I hit the button like five times. It didn't save it any better. Right. I just thought it was going to be safer that way. That was my understanding of it. Right. And then we, and it was kind of, it was like a magical time, too. It was kind of, and I know, like, if you're younger listening to this, you might not really believe it, but it was literally like something we have never seen before. And even the teachers and the other adults were amazed at the kind of stuff you could do. And it was just like simple word processing, um, simple games like Oregon Trail, like Brian mentioned, Math Blaster, that kind of game, like or t- something to learn typing. Because remember, I don't know if you remember, Brian, but how they always told us we had to learn how to type on a keyboard because yeah. that was like an important skill. That One skill from the older technology that could come over to the newer technology was Learn, right. learn your, they call it keyboarding then, not, not typing, but it was the same exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was typing, you know, it was so funny. <laughs> My mom bought, uh, she always had other stuff, you know, so I had, I had a typewriter at a young age, so I'd sit there and, and, and bang on that thing and 
sometimes I type something meaningful. Uh, other times I just kind of want to waste the ribbon to see how many letters I could pop out at once. And, you know, it's uh, a little bit higher cost of actually replacing ribbon in a typewriter than just deleting something on a word processor, you know? Right. Um, the thing that was so interesting to me that uh, w when you first jumped into it, uh, you were so used to writing everything. You would sit down and say, okay, I got to take notes. I got to do this. I got to do that. I know for me to this day, I think there's something, there's a brain connection when you're actually writing something rather than just hitting a button. Mm -hmm. There's like something where you're actually physically forming right. letters or what, you know, whatever language you're using, that actually is meaningful to the human brain. You're not learning anything by having the motion of keyboarding. Like you're looking at the letters and it translates, but it doesn't translate the same way into my brain. I mean, maybe it does to you, but it never did to me. No, um... I'm kind of in the same boat. Like when I write something, it, it not only does it feel good and it, it's like a, it's not, it's not only a cathartic experience, but it is like for me, a necessary experience. And, um, I know a lot of people like have gotten away from writing and these kind of like, these are analog experiences, writing, reading on a book, not reading on a computer monitor or a iPad or a Kindle, these kind of things. And, and, this is how our brains are like naturally made to work and naturally mm -hmm. made to function. So I, th I do feel that people like a lot of people today might be missing out on a big part of just experiencing some of these experiences. I agree. The, um, just to kind of, uh, you know, I pulled up the, the definition of analog and digital just to kind of, kind of juxtapose, you know, the almighty Google has given me these definitions here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Analog is, is said, there's a couple different things. Uh, relating to or using signals or information represented by a continuously variable physical quantity, such as spatial position, voltage, etc. And the second definition is funny. It says not involving or relating to the use of computer technology as a contrast to a digital counterpart, which is kind of what we're talking about today. And then the definition of digital says um, of signals or data expressed as a series of the digits 1 and 0, typically represented by values of a physical quantity such as voltage or magnetic polarization. The interesting thing to me is that you still need something analog to represent the digital. And so right. digital is only possible because there were structures put in place in the analog world to support the derivative. And um, I know when you, if you only learn from a derivative and you never understand like the foundational things that go into it, you'll never have a deep, as deep of understanding as if you actually did like the primary research I went back to the source to understand everything. Right. And that's kind of, that's really what it is like, like life is all about too. I mean, if you don't understand where something came from, you're going to be, you're going to be kind of lesser for it, lesser for the experience. You won't be able to recreate the full experience or the full, um, I don't know how I'm going to, how I want to say this, the full you know, uh, weight of that experience. So like, for example, if you, if you're just typing something on a keyboard and you didn't write it out beforehand, you're not really processing it in the same way. Like Brian said, like, even though you might think you are, you're really not as it, 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 it really is. You do remember better and you get something out of it because of the way. Another thing is how the way the human brain works, the like humans are not digital creatures. You know, we're analog in nature. We are, we, we don't have computer technology inside of us, or most of us don't anyway. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. But like, 
this is like, you know, things are represented in our minds, like our memory and everything is not, it's biochemical, which is in the very definition is analog. Mm -hmm. True. I know um, my, my son just finished, uh, he's doing research stuff now. And uh, when you tell, when you tell children that you have to, this is how you research. Now we all learned in school, if you went to a decent school, that there's certain things you do how to research a paper or do something, right? Today, if I wanted to find out, you know, here's something about humpback whales, I could just go on Google and say very hump, quickly, hump, or just yeah, humpback or, whales. <laughs> yeah, <No. laughs> Siri, tell me about humpback whales, and she tells me something. Or Alexa, tell me something. Tells me something. But then it was like, okay, well, I, I got to go to the library, so I have to plan to go to the library. I need to go right, and then talk talk to the 127 year old librarian there she's like a little she was like 45 but yeah <laughs> but before you, you know, all those old bindings on books it kind of does something to your uh, yeah. collagen i think in the skin yeah <laughs> it um but you had to talk to this person and it was an actual interface like hey uh, you know can i help you if they were nice or they were helping somebody say hey i need some help on humpback whales you'd have to have a conversation and then you'd have to if you didn't know learn how to use a card catalog and how to like understand that structure and then how it worked to be able to go find information, to then go to another place to go look at it. And there was discovery along the way, like, oh, you know what? I might want to go uh, look at killer whales next time because they're, the book is right next to it. Or you see something random there. It's like, oh, that's random. You know, like somebody left a pencil over there. It's like, I like that pencil. I'm going to take it with me when I go. Right. And then you had to flip through the book and have to say, okay, here's the chapter. This is kind of how it's structured. This is the type of information I think I would want. And then... If that gave you some or whatever, you'd put that, you'd maybe, you'd have to note kind of what it was, write it down. Then you might go back to the section or you might have to go somewhere else to find more information. But just in that exchange, you had so many different things you had to interface with in order to get to the answer. And the thing that is lost in a lot of current learning is the process. And this is right. part of the focus of this is like, let's understand the process so you understand how something came to be, whether it's uh, people, whether it's a thing, whether it's whatever, because that perspective, once you understand that, it creates the basis for every other thing that can come after that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you touched on something really important is that it might not be what you were researching that was so important. It was the act of researching itself. It was learning to research, which is very lost today. And it's lost kind of in just the, they might say research, they might tell you how to do it, but they're not showing you how to do it anymore because they know everybody has Google and, you know, you can just go online and you can look this up or you can't, you know, you don't go to the library anymore. You don't talk to that older librarian, who, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't have those experiences, those fundamental I mean, I like to call them fundamental human experiences, like yeah. the art of the conversation, the art of, mm -hmm. you know, talking to somebody to actually articulating what you are looking for. So you're not just, you know, you're not just typing it onto a computer saying, hey, find me this. And if you're lucky, you're saying it nowadays, you know, with voice recognition and everything with Siri, Google, even or uh, Alexa, you know, yeah. even Google now with Google uh, has, you know, their own their own digital assistant, but it's not, it is how learning how the process works so that you can apply it to everything else. Because it's really, it's almost like that old, old thing, the chicken or the egg, what came first, 
So mm-hmm. what came first? Did you learn how to research or did the topic of research come first? Right. So it's kind of like that whole thing. And then when you can apply it to lots of things in your life. The, um, I still have a good memory. Both you and I would remember Mrs. Kendall at school. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to go visit her and things like that. And she was, she was not a scary librarian by any stretch. She was a very sweet woman. And, uh, you know, classes had story time with her. And th- I remember, like, just going to her, and she would be very patient and teach you. And I think that type of thing, I, like, I remember her, and I remember the types of interactions we had, the type of person she was, and how she made me feel comfortable, you know, in kind of like the midst of, like, a, you know, an insurmountable task of, like, how do I start here? What do I do? You know, there was somebody willing to help you. For the um, one thing, Josh, to kind of talk about the different like learning models. So there's a whole wide continuum of education, different models and everything like that. And what was interesting to me, um, what I learned is that, you know, Steve Jobs didn't let his children on technology. He wanted them to have a classical education model for what they did. Um, and if somebody, if I'm wrong on that, people, please, val- you know, please call out the source on that. But that was my understanding of it because he knew that, the value of that type of education, hands-on, where you have recitation and all the different other things and application of those different things was important because he knew, I think, that all the things that he was doing was only because he had a strong basis of that. And if it, you know, for one of the, the major tech leaders, especially in the 20th century, to say, you know, this is the, the educational model I want, I think he wanted to try to reinforce something that he knew was critical, especially as he was a pioneer in the digital age and where we were going. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's the kind of thing, like, 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 like Brian's saying, like those experiences, the foundation is important. So the foundation of the analog experience, the, the actual research or the actual kind of educational experience you get is extremely important. Once you have that foundation, you'll be able to go into, you know, you'll be able to use Google and you'll be able to use that, but you know where all that information came from in the first place. So mm-hmm. um, I just think, you know, I mean, even like our experience growing up, I mean, we grew up in Minnesota. I don't know if we actually touched on that. We had a pretty good public school, I think. Um, we did. Yeah. I mean, it would, it was one of the top in, in the area anyway, at least in the, in the state in Minnesota always yeah. prided itself on kind of education and things like that. Um, I don't know. My experience was pretty good there. I mean, I know Brian said his was too, and we learned lots of things. Yeah, yeah lots of different ways to learn and things like that. Um, I don't know, Brian, did you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I did. The um, You know, when I got married, and I, I would talk about it because my children now are learning things, and my wife would say, "How did wh- where did you learn that? I go, I was in school. And I realized what we, I didn't realize it until now in my adult life, there were a lot of things that that school taught us in a more of a classical model. Like we learned songs about the presidents. We learned songs about the 50 states. Right. And those are things that were, it was an incorporated learning model. And I just took it for granted, like, well, every school in the nation is learning a song about the presidents, but not, you know, it wasn't the case. That is true. And yeah. so, yep. you know, um, the thing that's nice about that is that it kind of integrates, there's a lot of different ways to learn. I think that there's, uh, you know, depending on how, you know, how you're wired, uh, the type of environment you grew up in, you know, uh, are you are you biologically male? Are you biologically female? How does your brain actually work? You know, from a like a functional physiological standpoint, all those things can come into play about your ability to to sit in a certain environment, to be there. 
um, all those different types of things. And so th the different ways that you could learn, digital kind of forces you into one way of learning. And it's not as interactive. It's more of a consumption model. Analog learning, you have a lot of different options and permutations that you can kind of take out. And I think we all have different experiences. Oh, I, I learn better if I'm a visual. I learn better if I'm listening to something. I'm better if I, you know, am, am like playing with a fidget spinner, you know, today. I mean, we never had fidget spinners back then. <laughs> you know, something no, like that. No, they would just though, slap you, know. you upside the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you doing? Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. even, no, even with children now, like if they, let's say that they have something like autism or there's sensory things going on, and if they can do something to help focus. Right. Like, like those options aren't readily available in a digital world, but they are in the real world, the analog world. Um, I think the thing that Josh and I would like everybody to do is uh, this week do something intentionally analog. Now, I would say this because this is something on my list to make sure that is reinforced to my own children is how to read a map. Like actually a Rand McNally that you go buy at the gas station you know, bypass the hot dogs that are 27 years old. And <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. Who knows what, you know? Yeah. And go, go buy yourself a Rand McNally map and go try to find where the address is. I mean, if you want to go out to, on a date or you want to go find a new spot, you know, you may have to use Google to find the address because phone books are kind of a thing of the past. But see if you can find it on the map and see if you can get there by not using GPS, by not using that. You know, pick somewhere where you're not as familiar with. So, you go, oh yeah, that's right next to so and so. I know that because it increases your situational awareness, what street names are, and how to find your way. So that would be, I think, a good uh, analog challenge. Unless Josh, you had any other thoughts on it? No, that's a great analog challenge. And I always say, like, um, if you get lost, there's no better way to find yourself, find your place, find <laughs> find where you are than getting lost. I, I some of my best experiences in life have been getting lost in an unfamiliar area. And finding a restaurant I didn't know existed or talking to somebody and saying, hey, um, where's the interstate? <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> those kind of things are like you meet interesting people and you have the experiences. And that's kind of like what that. And I, I do believe this is what like Brian and I were saying, where you take away some kind of analog experience, do something intentionally analog. I also say if you're having trouble sleeping, do something analog, read a book, um, Get off your phone. Yeah, get off your phone. Get off the technology. Actually get a like a book out or a magazine. I know they're still around. They're not many, <laughs> but they're they're there. Or something they like that. It is amazing how you're you you do wire yourself differently when you do some of those experiences. Yeah. I think as a uh, um sharing your thoughts with it, when you're growing up, tell us some of your favorite analog activities to do. Was it puzzles? Was it riding your bike? Was it playing outside? I mean, heaven forbid we play outside. Tomorrow, <laughs> I, you know? I know, right? <laughs> unless, the, unless the phone is there to look at. Um, anyway, these are some thoughts that we had about the, the importance of the, the physical world. There's a whole lot of ways that we can kind of explore different areas and things like that. One of the things as we go forward is we want to understand like, hey, this was a good thought for the day. I'm happy with it. But we also want to know from you, like, do we need to go down the rabbit hole a little further? Because I think it'd be fun if that's the case we'll apply our research skills we learned back in grade school <laughs> and, and we'll find people to talk to we'll research a little bit more of our own and uh you know hopefully we'll all go on a journey together down a rabbit hole for a little ways and then come back out again to go explore the field a little more so uh 
I think that's the episode for this week. Josh, you have any closing thoughts? No, um, that's pretty much it. Sums it up. Like like we said, we want, go out and try something analog. Let us know your feedback. We want to know what you're what you're thinking about this. Do you want like Brian said? Do you want us to go down that rabbit hole more? Because we can, we'll definitely do that, and we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the, oh, we have the power. We have <laughs> we have the power. We do, and um, you know, and if if you do want us to go down the rabbit hole, do you want to be on the show? Do you want to you know add your thoughts and opinions? Even just send us an email, and um, and once again, I just wanted to reiterate too that you find us at www.curiositycontinuum.com. And all of our social media is on there. Our email is on there. Hello at curiositycontinuum.com. Send us an email. Send us, you know, your thoughts. And we want to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for your time today. We want to value uh, your time that you've given and keep this to a, a usable format for you so you can kind of have a digestible podcast and thought or thoughts for the day. So until next time, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum. Thanks. Thanks.